Well, let me say that with a mic on. Maybe more of you hear me. Jesus is king, amen? Uh, that song, there's, we need to praise the Lord. He deserves to be praised. And uh, as we coming into, we're coming into the Christmas season, I know we just had Thanksgiving, and uh, some, some of you uh, don't like to put up any kind of decorations or wait till any celebration until just before others of you would have never took your decorations down, and they're all, they're all still up. Um, there is a wide variety of that, but it doesn't need to be the Christmas season for us to rejoice in the fact that Jesus Christ is King, uh, uh, for us to celebrate uh, to celebrate Christmas. It doesn't need to be Christmas, to be honest with you. We can celebrate Christmas all year long. We're 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 beginning a series this morning uh, that that I believe will take us through um, take us through at least the next several weeks, um, uh, looking at the characters of Christmas. Uh, uh, we, uh, for those of you that know, and it's been announced, uh, we, the church is doing a the Voices of Christmas, um, where uh, there'll be videos that are dropped on the Facebook page or on, online somewhere out there. Um, if you don't know who it is, it's all everywhere out there is one of Amanda's signaling. Uh, but it is uh, the Voice of Christmas. I encourage you to watch it. It just it gives us a kind of a, a look at, uh, at what maybe some of those those. Uh, characters in, in the Bible story, uh, what they were thinking uh, on at the time of uh, the birth of Christ and, and what was going on. And it's, it's easy to get caught up in all of the hubaloo, or is that the right word? Hullabaloo, whatever it is. Hullabaloo, that's a, that's, is that a, a southern word? We're in the north. All the chaos, how's that? <laughs> all the chaos of Christmas. Uh, though I will say Black Friday this, this year wasn't nearly as, as crazy as I thought I was expecting. We went out in the evening on, on Friday uh, to, to, to pick up a, a Christmas tree, and, and I was expecting long lines everywhere. There was nobody out. Uh, thank, the, thank the Lord for that. I didn't have to deal with it. Uh, but uh, uh, Christmas isn't about a Christmas tree, and Christmas isn't about Christmas presents, though it's hard to, it's hard to get your kids to understand that. And sometimes it's hard to get us adults to understand that. That it's not about the family gatherings, and it's not about all the things that, that we, that the world has tried to turn Christmas into. Uh, the world has, has tried to make it a, a, a money-making machine uh, to, to increase the, the pockets of, of, of those that are selling things and so on and so forth and buying Christmas cards. And There were no Christmas cards in the Bible. Uh, there were no... Uh, there was... There were no... Christmas trees in the Bible. There were none of those things. In fact, the, the story of Christmas is about the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to knock any of those things either. Those are just traditions that we have and that we celebrate with. What, what, I, what I want to remind us, though, is that Christmas, the Christmas story is about Christ. That Jesus is the center character of, of, of Christmas. And we, we need not forget that. Uh, we, we need to remember that it's all about Jesus. And all the other characters in the story are, are, are there to fill out the story. Have you ever read a book? I hope you've all read a book. And if you're not reading anything else, please read the Bible. <laughs> but but it, it's good to read. It's not, I'm not, reading is a good thing. If you read a story, uh, you'll have the main character, and you'll have the main plot of the book, but you'll notice that there are other characters and other plots, subplots in the book, that, that kind of fill your mind and, and just kind of give a backstory of who this person is and how it... And, and this, this series that we're looking at, that, that I'm going to be doing over the next several weeks, is doing just that. It's filling in the backstory on 
many of the, the, the characters in the Bible. It's very much like the, 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 uh, the, the, the voices of Christmas. There we go. Stop laughing at me, James. It's, it's filling in the backstory. Uh, but each one of these, these characters, each one of these people that we're going to talk about, there's something that we can learn from them and, and, and the, experiences that, the experiences that they went through uh, in leading up to and how it ties to the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. The very first one we're going to talk about this morning is found in Luke chapter 1, and his name is Zacharias. Luke chapter 1, his name is Zacharias. Uh, there is a large portion of Scripture here, and we're going to go down through it, uh, and, and I'm going to read it to you, and uh, we'll, we'll come, back to, come back and go through some, some points. I want you to, to see some things about uh, this man. It says, there was, in verse 5, uh, chapter 1, there was in the days of Herod the king of Judea a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the, and the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zechariah, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, uh, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife was well stricken in years. Let's pray real quick. Father God, I pray that you'd help me. God, I pray that you'd give me the very words to speak. Uh, I, I ask, Lord, that you would, uh, Lord, help the, the, me to proclaim the truth of your word. And Lord, may that truth sanctify us and cleanse us. Lord, may that truth uh, just dive deep, cut deep into our hearts, Lord, that you might have your way with us. We ask, I ask this, Lord, because... I know that I, I don't have any power of my own. Lord, I ask you, you to do the work in the hearts of our people, Lord, in my heart as well. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. First thing I want, you, I want us to notice is the, this blessed introduction to this, to this man named Zacharias. Uh, he was a man of God. He was a man of God. The Bible tells us that he was a, a priest. Now, back in those days, there were a lot of priests. He wasn't the high priest, but he was a priest. Uh, they, were, they believed there were about 750 priests at that time uh, in, in the Old Testament when he was, or in the New Testament when he was, when he was working. And they, were, they, they, they didn't all serve in the temple all at the same time. 
They lived outside of Jerusalem. Some of them lived, some of them lived inside of Jerusalem, but they all lived in that, that, that area, and they, they would serve in the temple, but they didn't all serve. Uh, that would be a whole lot of people to be in the temple at once. It said that he was of the, the, uh, the, the I want to say division, but he was, a, he was of the, uh, the, the course of Abijah. That, that word course means division. Uh, he was of this, this, this one family that would go in and they would, work, they would go in and work when it was their time to work. In fact, uh, every division would work about two weeks in the temple. But there were a lot of different jobs that, would, that were to be done in the temple. Some would, want, some would be taking care of the, the altar. Others would be taking care of the incense. Others would be taking care of, uh, of, the, uh, of uh, the sacrifices. And clean. They, they all had different things to do, and, but uh, they, they, were never, they, they didn't have one job that they were to do all the time. They, they were to cast lots. And, 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 and do that job. And, and so, so uh, here it's talking about, uh, about Zacharias, and uh, he's a priest of the course of Abiah. He's a man of God. He's, he was a servant of God. He, he, he loved God with all, all of his heart, soul, and mind. He'd go in and, and serve God, and he was pleased to do it. Now, there were, there, there were some people back in those days, uh, even some of the priests, uh, that weren't necessarily, uh, the, they, were, they may have been priests, but they weren't good people. If you remember, uh, Eli had two sons. Samuel had some sons. Uh, they, were all, they were also priests, uh, but they were sinful men. Even Aaron, the high priest, uh, the, uh, the, one, the, the very first priest, the brother of Moses, he had two sons who went in there, Hophni and Phinehas. And what happened? God took the, those two because they, they, uh, they used a strange fire. They were disobedient uh, in, in their service to the Lord. They went in with strange fire, and God, God killed them. Uh, he was a, a, a man of God. He was a priest. Uh, he was of the course of Abijah, and, and, he, and it was his two weeks to go in and serve the Lord. But uh, I want you to see he wasn't just a man of God because of his position, because uh, uh, that doesn't make you a man of God. He was a man of God, we see according uh, to uh, verse 2, it says, and they, talking about him and his wife, were both righteous before God. The word righteous uh, goes back to uh, Abraham, which is Abraham was counted, uh, Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. There's none righteous, no, not one. You and I are not righteous in and of ourselves. Can we agree on that? He wasn't righteous either in and of himself. But he believed the word of God. He believed what God had told him to do. And he was living his life according to the word of God, uh, acting out his faith uh, uh, for them. So he was a righteous man. And it says that he was, that he was walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. Uh, even so, so much so that he was considered blameless. So I, I, I want you to, to understand that, that he was a man. He wasn't just putting on a facade. He wasn't just, uh, God saw him. God knew him. God knows his heart. I, I, I want to I say this. Uh, it's important that, that you understand that you can fake it sometimes, but only God really sees your heart, and you can't trick him. You, can, you may come in and, and serve. You can come in and play, play an instrument or sing or lead the music like, or teach a Sunday school class or, or even as lowly as, as I'm going to humbly come in and clean, clean listen to what, whatever it is that you choose to do. You can do it with a right heart and you can do it with a wrong heart. I wish, what I want you to see here today is that Zacharias was a man of God, a man who loved God and had faith and, 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 and served God. One of the things that's important for us to understand is he did all these things through difficulty. There's a phrase there, there in verse 5. It says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, 
a certain priest named Zacharias. Now, if you know much about Israel, uh, history in Israel, uh, they, they, they had, he was there. He was called King Herod. Uh, uh, he did rule over uh, Jerusalem in this area, but he wasn't king because the Jews had, had put him there or God had placed him there. Uh, uh, although God allowed him to be there. He was, he was king because Rome had placed him there. They were underneath the, the governance of Rome. Rome had their, had, had their, their, their soldiers there. They had, the, they, had the, they, they, they had the control over all of the area, and they picked this Herod to, to, to be the king. Herod was not a good person. Herod killed his brother so, so he could marry, so he could marry, marry a, a family member. He was a wicked, terrible person. This is the same Herod who, who very shortly in, in, in Scripture is going to kill all the babies uh, two years old and under, all the, all the, young, all the young men uh, in, in the nation of Israel because he's searching to kill Jesus. Uh, he was a wicked, terrible, awful person. And even though they, they lived under Roman rule, even though they had to pay the Roman taxes, even though they had to, 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 to struggle underneath all that oppression, evil oppression around them, he was still living a righteous life. We live in a world today that surrounds us with wickedness and evilness. Uh, even within our own country. Say, well, it's not that bad. We have freedom. We do. But who do you think is really in control right now? We know God is in control, but who is in control of the politicians up there? Who's, who's in control of the politicians down here? Who's in control of the hearts and the lives of everybody around us who's outside of Christ? The Bible tells us that Satan is, 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 is there under his jurisdiction or under his management. If they're outside of Christ, that they're slaves to him. He has them. He has control over them. We live in a wicked world. Where, 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 listen, when we live in a world where, where the, the, the politicians and the majority of our nation will, will vote for a politician who says it's okay to kill and murder a child in the womb, that's a wicked world. When we live in a world where, where they'll, 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 they'll punish punish some crimes and then let other things go because of the people that do it. It's a wicked world. It's an unjust system. And I'm not saying we need to tear down America. And I'm not saying that we need to tear down the judicial system. I'm just saying it's a wicked place that we live in. But that cannot be an excuse for us to not live according to the word of God. We cannot allow the culture that, that surrounds us, we cannot allow the people to tell, to tell us what's right and wrong. We need to allow God to do that. Not only did, were they, did, did, uh, did Zacharias and his wife live righteously before God in a wicked world, they also lived uh, righteously before God during trials in their life. Look at verse, uh, I believe it was verse 7. It says, And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and they were now well stricken in years. When Anytime, most times, not, not every couple is like this. I can remember when my wife and I, got, before we got married, talking about having children. Now, she was much more into having children at that time than I was, because I didn't know how much they cost, and I was terrified. But as we got married, I can remember talking and, and driving down the road, we were talking about hearing the, the, foot, the, the, the pitter-patter of little steps, and the, the, the little sweet sweet coos and, and gurglings of a baby in the back seat. 
the pitter pattering of, of tiny steps have now turned into clomp, 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 and the 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 the, the, the little googles and gurgles have turned into screaming and yelling at, at each other in the back seat. But but uh, we we dreamt of having children. And listen, it was a, what a blessing it was the day that we had, but there was a period of time where we were told that we couldn't have kids. Listen, that's a trial. Now, praise God for us, it only lasted for two years. And, and pray, praise God, God, he saw fit to, to give us, to, to give us a, a child, and, and, and not just one, but multiple. Uh, uh, that's not the case for every family, and I understand that. And, and, and if that's, that's the situation you're in, I want you to understand, God still loves you. And, and, and God, is still, God is still good for you. There, there came a point in time when I had to look at my wife and said, if God doesn't, we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and watched everybody around us start having kids. And, and for a year there, it was like everybody was getting pregnant in this place and you couldn't come in here and not get pregnant, except we couldn't. And, and I had to look at my wife and said, if, if, if God doesn't give us a child, is he still good? And we had to come up with the answer, yes. Regardless of whether or not God did what we wanted in our time, God was still good. But it didn't make it easy. It was a trial on our lives. And there, there are those today that will take those trials that they face. It could be uh, that same kind of trial or something else going on in your life, whether it's jobs or finances or health or, or a million different things. Uh, kids that are struggling, uh, uh, families that are, uh, marriages that are falling apart. It can be a, a million different things. But those trials God allows in your life, they cannot be excuses that we, ch- that we then say, well, I guess I'm not going to serve God now because God's not giving me what I wanted. Because there are a lot of people that do that. And I praise God that there was a man named Zechariah that no matter what the world was going on around, listen, it was not a pleasant world. When, when they can come into your home and take your children away and murder them at the order of a king, this same king that he's living under, listen, that's the kind of king he lived under. That was a terrible world to live in, but they didn't question God. They trusted him. They obeyed him. When they can go through trials and they can watch their friends and their families. Listen, that was the, the purpose of a marriage was to procreate and to have your children. And they can look around and they, they say, why, why not us, God? They understood better than we do that, that the womb was opened by God and closed by God. It, it was shown throughout Scripture over and over again that God would open the womb of, of, of Rahab or Rachel or, 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 or the Jacob's wives, and, and, and he'd open and close, and uh, he can close the womb sometimes out of, uh, because of sinfulness, like he did uh, David's wife. Uh, about, there's many different reasons. Or it could just be God has a special plan for your life, like Abraham and Sarah. I don't know, I'm not going to stand here and tell you that I know the mind of God in your life. I'm saying that no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what trial, God is in control. And I want you to know that you should still live a life for God because you love him, because of who he is. It should not be based upon your circumstances, and it should not be based upon the world that you live in. He was a man of God. But not only was he a man of God, he was a man of prayer. Now, the Bible here tells us that, that, uh, that he was going in to burn incense. That it was his lot. Man, what a, what, history tells us what a blessing that was. That was like a once-in-a-lifetime kind of winning the lottery kind of thing. It, you only got to serve in the, in the temple two weeks out of every year. And out of all the other jobs, uh, uh, you would cast lots. Whatever your lot cast, that was, what, that was your job. He cast lots, and his lot was to burn incense. Well, uh, we know from Scripture, the Bible says that, that, uh, that our prayers come up as a, as a sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord. 
In, in, in the book of Acts, uh, when, when uh, uh, Cornelius is praying, it says that his prayers come before the Lord as a sweet-smelling savor. It was, it was a, a picture of the, the, the prayers of God's people. In fact, while he was in there uh, burning the, the incense, the, the Bible says that everybody outside was praying. That meant burning the incense. His job wasn't just to burn the incense, but to go in before the Lord and to, to pray for the people. He was, a, he was a man of prayer, but we don't know that he was a man of prayer just because of that. He was a man of prayer because he had been praying for years for a son. In fact, that was the first thing that the angel that appeared to him said. Your prayer has been answered. Now, I'm, I'm going to go out, on a limb and, and go out on a limb and say that I do not believe he was praying for a son that day. So well, why do you say that? Because he didn't believe God could do it. He didn't believe God could do it. Because he understood that he was an old man. That he was well stricken in years. He understood that his wife was well stricken in years and beyond the age of childbirth. I believe that prayer that was answered was a prayer that was prayed a long time ago, a prayer, a lifetime of prayer that, that God had, had said, hadn't said no to, had just said, wait, it's not time. God does answer prayer in different ways, amen? It's not always yes, and it's not always no. Sometimes he just says, it's not time yet. We as a, as a, as a people, especially here, and especially today, uh, with, 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 the, with the way the internet is and fast food and all those things, we don't, want, we don't like to wait. When, when I can re- how many of you remember back when every time you tried to log into the internet, you heard that, I can't even make the noise anymore. It's been so long since I've done that. Try to make our kids connect to the internet that way. They would go nuts. You mean I just can't click a button? No. But that's from when I was, I remember when the internet came out. When I could find out what the temperature was in, in, in Iceland. I mean, I, the first time I ever touched the internet, we were, we were a homeschooling family. My mom, we went over to visit somebody. I don't remember the name, their names, but they had this round house. Remember the, do you remember that, Mom? They had the circular house. It was kind of weird. And they were wealthy, and they had the internet. And I got to sit on there, and, and I got to check the weather and the news in Iceland. That, I, that was the internet back then. <laughs> Why would you want to do that? Because I could. Nobody else could do it. I could do it because I was on a, an Apple computer that didn't look like the Apple computers today, but this big around. Today things are so fast. And we, we expect it like this. I, I hit, remember, remember when you used to be trying to download a picture and it'd be like, zzz, zzz, watching that, like waiting to, you know, I, I, it takes you 20 minutes to download a picture or 45 minutes to download a song. The young people are like, huh? Really? We expect things to happen quickly. We do the same thing in our prayer. We say, God, I prayed for this. Why didn't you answer me? God, I've asked you. I've asked you five times. God, why haven't you given? Many times we just give up. Except for the Bible teaches us to pray with importunity, which means... He that asketh and keeps asking will receive what he's asking for. He that knocks and keeps knocking, the door will be opened unto him. The the idea is that we continue to pray. Now, I believe he prayed for years for this, but I don't believe that day that he prayed for it. Because of his response, when the angel said, 
his response when the angel said that, that his prayer had been answered and that he was going to have a son. But he was a man of prayer. He was a man of God. He was a man of prayer. He prayed for the people. He prayed for a son. Uh, we've looked at who he is. Uh, let's, let's look at the, the, the next section. Uh, I, I have it, uh, if you're taking notes, uh, his breath, this, the breathtaking information. Uh, uh, I can't imagine what it must have been like. Remember what he was doing. Uh, he's in the, the temple and he's serving. Now this isn't uh, something that you do lightheartedly, like when you go to work, you sit down at your desk and it's just kind of you know, whatever, whatever's going on. You no, know, uh, when they went into the temple, uh, he, he, it was a very special place. In fact, it was called the holy place. He'd enter into the, the sanctuary. Nobody but the priests are allowed to come into this area. And, and he'd have the, the, the table of showbread. There would, uh, there, there would be the candlestick there. And, and you go in farther, there, there is a, an altar of incense right before the veil, before you go into the Holy of Holies. And he was to go into that altar of incense and to take some incense and to put it on a censer and to light the censer and, 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 and then pray for the people. And this was something that they, they didn't waste a lot of time going into. That, uh, many times they would wait outside and then people would just go in, do what they needed to do, and then get out because, they well, people had died in there. They had to be very careful of what they did. And so he goes in there, and he's, he's getting ready to, to do this. And the Bible says that an angel appeared standing next to the altar of incense. Ever seen an angel? I haven't, at least not that I know of. But also sometimes we, see, we may see them uh, unawares. But, but an angel appeared. Now, uh, anytime you read in the Bible where uh, they, they've seen an angel and they, and they recognize that it's an angel, uh, they, they, they either will... Well, the angel always says, fear not. <laughs> People are always troubled and they're always trembling. Why? Because they're terrified. An angel is, isn't just, uh, we think, it's not like a, a, a fairy like you see in the, in the, or, or just some gentle being. An angel, listen, we're talking about Gabriel, an archangel, one of the, 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 most, the, the, one of the pow, most powerful angels uh, uh, ever in the Bible. And, and he's, he's, he's standing there. He's a messenger of God. He's a sentinel that stands uh, in, the, in the very presence of God. And, and he's brought to him a message. He's a terrifying figure to look at. Let's look at the verse. It says, verse 11, And there appeared unto him an angel, the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. He's gone in to pray for the people, to burn the incense, and this angel appears. He doesn't know what the angel's there for, but he's troubled. He's concerned. It's uh, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a anxiety uh, inducing, fear inducing thing. And and he begins to stand there and wonder what this angel has to say. And it says and it says it says verse uh, thirteen. But the angel said to him, "Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and shall call his name John." Uh, this breathtaking information. He comes in. He sees uh, this angel, uh, this messenger of God, and and. He doesn't know who he is or where he's from yet, but but later on here it says in verse twenty, uh, verse uh, nineteen, the angel answered said unto him, "I am Gabriel, and that stand in the presence that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad things." He, he, he's a terrifying being, and he's, he's, he's getting ready to, to get some, some, uh, a mixed greeting, uh, some information. He's, he's, he's troubled, he's, he's fearful, uh, but, but the angel tells him not to be afraid. 
Now, the angels always tell us not to be afraid. In fact, God tells us all throughout Scripture not that we're to fear not. But well, I don't know, but there are some things that I'm just afraid of. And he was fearful of this angel, fearful of the message. The message, the message was this. He says, fear not that, thou, that your prayer has been answered. Yes, praise God, my prayer has been answered. What have I been praying for? Sometimes if, if uh, the angel would appear to us and tell us our prayer has been answered, we do not know what we're talking about or what he's talking about. But he did. He said, he said, he was going to bear a son. There's some monumental guidance given to him. We see it here in verse 13. First, his prayers answered. Secondly, the prophecy of his son. Verse 14 and 15. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. And he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy One, even from his mother's womb. You have Zechariah, Zacharias and, and his wife Elizabeth. They're old, they're well stricken in age, and the, 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 the angel has, to, has just told them, you're going to have a son. Why is he trembling at that? Why is he worried about that? God has just sent him this message. Well, we find out his response here in a minute is one of doubt. And one of fear. Because he knows how old he is. He knows how old his wife is. Now, this was an answer to prayer. He's, he's getting ready to, to have a son, and he's told that his son's name, in, in, in verse 12, is, is going to be John. But more importantly, he's told who his son is going to be. He, he said in verse 15, He shall be great in the sight of the Lord. Uh, going on, he talks about how he's, uh, how he's going to be the, 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 the forerunner of, uh, of the Messiah. So how does Zacharias' story tie into uh, the, the Christmas story? Well, the Christmas story isn't about Jesus' birth. Let me just... We celebrate the birth of Jesus, but the birth of Jesus was only the beginning of the Christmas story. See, the greatest gift ever given on Christmas wasn't that Jesus came and, and was born. It's that he came and he died. And, and so, so uh, before he could become the, uh, go into his ministry, Jesus could go into his ministry, God, it had been prophesied, God had foretold that there was going to be a forerunner, someone who would prepare the way. And, and the angel of God has just re- told, uh, told uh, Zacharias that your son, this unborn baby uh, that's not even been conceived yet, that, that he will be born and he will be this man. And he said he's going to be a, a Nazarite, that uh, he's not going to drink strong drink. He's, uh, he's, he's going to li- live in a, in a very s- specific way. He says there in verse, uh, verse 15, For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his womb, and many of the children of Israel shall be turned to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and the power of Elias to, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Can you imagine hearing that about your unborn child who, who has been not yet been born and you're old? Might cause some wonder. And fear and doubt. Now, Zacharias knew the prophecies. He knew about the coming Messiah. They've been waiting for the coming Messiah. Uh, he, 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 he knew that there would be a forerunner. But he's telling, your son is going to be this person. You know what his response was? How can I, how do I, well, let's, let's, let's say it how he says it. And Zacharias said unto the angel, whereby shall I know this? 
How can I know this? God has just given him, or the angel has just given him an amazing prophecy. That the Messiah was coming. This Messiah that they were waiting was coming, and his son would be the forerunner. His son would go and preach the kingdom of heaven was at hand, and he would turn people, the people of Israel's hearts back unto God. They were lived in, living in a day and age where, where people were, some, yes, following God, but many, many, many were rejecting God and just living their lives as Jews. Just like we have a lot of people today that even professing Christians that say they're saved, but they live their lives according to the world. Versus according unto God. What, a, what an amazing prophecy. What an amazing prophecy. But the problem was his disbelieving response. The problem was he doubted. Now, two things before we go further into this. Did you notice that God had a purpose for John before he was born? He even had a name. He has not yet been conceived in the womb of his mother. It's not going to happen until, until Zacharias goes home after his, after his time was serving in the temple for two weeks. Yet God has a name and a purpose. You cannot tell me that God does not have a name or a purpose for every child who's ever been born. Number one, it tells me this. God has a name. God already has given you a name, but he has a purpose for you. Now, your purpose may not be the same as John's. But he does have a purpose for you. Do you know what it is? Have you sought the Lord to see what God might want you to do in your life, how you might glorify God? He knew you. The Bible says in, in, in the book of Psalms that he, that he formed you. He knew you before he formed you in your mother's womb. Not only does it tell me that he, he knew us, he knows, he knows every child in the womb. So for anyone to stand and say that, that abortion is okay, listen, abortion is just another word for murder. Amen. It's another taking of the life. God, God had named John before he was ever even conceived. Now, uh, it's because he knew who he was going to be in his foreknowledge. But I want you to understand God knows every child. Every life has value. And every life has purpose. Your life has value. And your life has purpose. But in his disbelieving response, he showed doubt. He said, he gave his defensive reasoning there in verse, verse 18, says, says, whereby shall I know this? How, how can I know this? Like, how can I know this is true? For I am an old man, and my wife is well stricken in years. He was, he was able to logically think about this. How can I know for sure that this is going to be true? How many times have we ever questioned the word of God? How many times have we questioned the promises of God? Because we can logically think that just, just, it doesn't make any sense. How could this happen? Can, can, can I, uh, reason sometimes can be the enemy of faith. He says, I'm old. I'm well stricken in years. How, how could this be? How can I know that this is true? Well, has it not happened in the Bible before? 
Go back to the days of Abraham. Abraham was told, was told he was going to have a son. While he was a young man, he was told he was going to have a son. Man, they looked for that son for a long time. And when it didn't happen, what did, in their time, what did Sarai and Abram do? Sarai took her handmaid, her servant, and she gave her to be his wife. And they had a son. But that was not the promised son. God waited until she was well past the years, and then she, Sarai, bore a son to Abraham, who was also, they were like 90 years old. What happened? God wanted to make sure that they understood that it was a miracle. This working that was taking place here in, 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 in his life, it's already happened before. God had already worked in that way before, but he still doubted. You know what that tells me? There can be men and women of God who love God, that serve God, that still struggle with faith. We all do at times. Sometimes God will put us in situations to help to grow our faith, uh, but, the, the, but we'll struggle. I want you to understand something. The, 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 not having faith or having doubt in the word of God is a big deal. There are times in the Bible when, when there were those that, that lacked faith and God showed grace. I think off the top of my head of Gideon. God told Gideon that he was going to, to, to lead the people of Israel into battle and they were going to win against the enemy. And Gideon said, are you sure? How about I put this fleece out there and if you're going to let, make that happen, you make the fleece wet and the ground dry. And then when God did that, he said, well, you know, I just want to be doubly sure. So make the ground wet and the fleece dry. And we look at that and we think, well, it's okay sometimes for us to doubt, doubt that faith. But I want you to understand, God does not look upon our doubt as, as a good thing. While God may show us grace, there are times when God will judge our lack of faith. And it happens here to John. He says, he says there in verse 18, How, whereby shall I know this? Verse 19, and the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel. Now there are only two two. Uh, two named angels in the Bible, Gabriel and Michael. He says, I am Gabriel. He's an archangel. He says, that stands in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. He says, I am an angel. I stand in the presence of God and, and I have been sent by God to deliver to you this message. That's why you believe it. That's why we believe it. Listen, uh, I'm not an angel, and you're not likely to see an angel in your bedroom tonight that's going to give you some kind of message. But you know what God has given us? The Word of God, amen? And God has given us this message that we are to read this message and understand this message, and then we're to believe this message. Not to doubt the promises of God, not to doubt what the Word of God tells us. We, we say, well, you know, the Bible was written by man. No, the Bible used, God used Men as a tool to write. The Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture. Not part of scripture. And you can't just add things to it. It's not one book. It is one book, but it's a collection of books. Amen? 66 books, all added together, all written out over a course of, of thousands of years by 40 different people, and somehow they all intertwine, intertwine and have the same gospel message, and it doesn't contradict itself. The Word of God is perfect. It's, 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 it's given to us to, to give us the simple message of salvation. Now, there are other stories that, that 
characters that are there that, that can teach us some of the things and we can learn from them, but the core message is about Jesus Christ. From Genesis to the book of Revelations, it's about Jesus Christ and what he did to bring man back to God. And we need to believe it, not doubt it. His baffled inquiry, he's, he had a disbelieving response, is how can I know? Defensive reasoning. The, defin- the definitive response from the angel says it's a message from God. And notice the deserved reckoning. Verse 20. And behold, thou shalt be dumb. That is every man's life first. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed. Because thou believest not my words. His lips were locked. He was not able to speak. He goes on to say that when he came out from performing, after the angel had left him, he went out and they were asking questions, why were you in there so long? He couldn't say anything. I don't know if he tried to, to, to mimic what he saw or whatever. Uh, somehow he was able to pass this information along to Elizabeth. My guess is he wrote it down like he did the name of John at the end of the story. We'll get, if we have time, I don't know what time it is. Praise the Lord, they took the clock away and it's not, I, I don't see what time it is. Thanks, honey. My wife's trying to make sure you all get out on time. I don't know how he got that information to his wife. I'm guessing he wrote it down. But he could not speak. There was, there, 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 there was a, 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 a he uh, d- deserved reckoning. He deserved to be punished or chastised because he doubted God. And I want you to understand, if we doubt God, there could be. We may see God's grace. Listen, and most of the time, I'll be honest, we, we receive God's grace. But if you receive chastening of the Lord because of your doubt, it's deserved. And the whole purpose of it is so that you believe God. There, there are other instances where, where, where God is, the chasing of God is recorded uh, upon, upon uh, certain men. I think of, I, I think of uh, the Persian king. Uh, I keep wanting to say Nicodemus, but it's not him. It starts with an N. The guy who turned into an animal. Nebuchadnezzar, thank you. Don't know why my, my mind went black for a second. I think of Nebuchadnezzar who, who looked, he'd been, he'd been humbled several times by God, but he looked upon his, his kingdom and he said, all of this is because of me. And God immediately struck him down and told him that he would, that he would become, an, uh, become like an animal for seven years. And his hair would grow out, his fingernails would grow out, he would eat grass like the, like the, like the cows. And, and that he went mentally insane for seven years. And at the end of the seven years, he lifted up his eyes and he praised God. Because he realized that everything he had wasn't because of his own greatness, but because of the grace of God. His lips were locked for a period of time until everything that God said came to pass. And the very first thing he did when he opened up his mouth after writing the name of John, the Bible says he praised God. He didn't blame God for his locked lips. He understood that that was his fault because of his doubt. He understood that God was in control and that he could trust what God said because God said it, not because he believed it. There was locked lips, lacking loyalty and loving kindness, lavished. It says, Oh, thou shalt be dumb and not be able to speak until the day 
that these things be performed, because thou believest not my words which shall be fulfilled. Almost finished. I want you to see a couple more things. While his lips were locked, while he's going through this difficult time, while he was doubting, God was still working. While he was doubting, God was still working. Notice, remember what the angel had said, until the day that these things shall be performed. Once you see, jump over to verse 23, and it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself for five months. She conceived. She, she, had a, she got pregnant, just like the angel said. He still couldn't talk. What, what did the Bible say that his name was supposed to be? John. The angel, said, the angel had told him that. We, we, there's a whole section in here we're going to skip over because that's this afternoon's message uh, about Mary. Uh, but uh, uh, jump over with me, if you would, to verse 57. Now Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered, and she brought forth her, her son. I, I, I lost it. Brought forth a son. And her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had shown great mercy upon her. And what is, what's it say? And they rejoiced with her. What did, that, what did that God say or the angel say over here at the beginning of this? It says, uh, and many of the children of Israel, oh, sorry, verse 14, and thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. And it came to pass that on the eighth day, verse 59, uh, they, they came to circumcise the child, and they called him Zacharias, after the name of the father. It was culturally appropriate at that time uh, for uh, the firstborn son to, to bear the name of his father, and uh, that's what they assumed uh, it was going to be. They started calling him Zacharias, or maybe Zacky Boy, or who knows what kind of nicknames they were giving him, but they, they called him Zacharias. And Elizabeth said, not so, but he shall be called John, verse 60. Now, how did Elizabeth know about the name John? I believe that Zacharias told, told her, maybe through writing things down, but told her uh, all that he had seen. Now, I do not believe that this showed that he believed it would all happen and everything would take place. It just shows, all it does, all it does is it verifies that he shared with her the information. But what does prove to us, or prove to me, uh, that he, that he uh, believed that his heart had changed and he no longer doubted. Not just, the, listen, the promise wasn't just about the birth of a son. This was about the birth of the forerunner of Jesus Christ. The only way that we know that he believed that is because his own answer to what the name of the child would be. It says, it says in verse 62, And they made signs to his father how he would have him called. And he asked for a writing table and wrote, saying, His name is John. And they marveled all. And his mouth was opened immediately, and his tongue loosed, and he spake, and he praised God. Listen, there was a multitude rejoicing at the birth, uh, but the, 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 this misguided uh, rivalry as they tried to, to find a, a, a name uh, for him. They began to call him Zacharias. Uh, but there was a moment, uh, the, the moment of truth came when, when he opened up, when he wrote that name John down. His name is or shall be John. At that point in time, that shows that he had faith, that he believed what God had said. And immediately, his mouth was opened. And immediately, 
He praised God. Listen, when we, when we have faith and we, we understand that God is in control and God is able to do those things that he has said, when we stop doubting God, what does that do? It, it makes our problems little and, and God's promises big. We understand that, that God can do anything that he says he's going to do. That there is no limitation to what God can do. Listen, for, for us, listen, God's word promises to save us, Amen. And we, we say we've placed our faith and trust in him, but we don't really. Sometimes we try to add other things to it. Sometimes we say, well, I'm not good. Listen, you're saved not because of you. We're saved because of our faith in Jesus Christ alone. Don't, don't doubt what God has promised you. God's word doesn't just promise you salvation as a free ticket to heaven. God promises to give you new birth, new life inside of you to change you from the sinner that you are uh, to, to be a, a, a reproduction or uh, to be his own masterpiece uh, representative of Jesus Christ. He'll sanctify you and cleanse you and change you and make you something that you're not now. The Bible says in Philippians 1, 6, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's not done with any one of us yet. And he won't be done until we get to heaven. But, God, but he will change us. As the, as the Spirit of God lives in us and we allow the Spirit of God to work in us through the Word of God, we'll start showing forth the fruits of, of repentance. We'll, we, we, will show, we'll, we won't do the things that we used to do. The, the things that, the, that we understand now are sin in the eyes of God. We'll, we'll turn from those things because they're wicked and evil. God will change our heart. And God will change our mind. And, and out of us will flow forth love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, uh, temperance. All of those things that the Word of God promises in us can happen because of the transformation of the power of God in our lives. But it's all promised to us through the Word of God. Do you doubt the Word of God? Do you doubt what God can do in your life? As a child of God, uh, uh, listen, Zacharias was a man of faith. He was a man who served. He was a man who gave his, his entire life to do the bidding of God. But he still doubted what God could do in his life. God had a greater plan for Zacharias and for Elizabeth than they had for themselves. They were comfortable just being a priest and a priest's wife. They weren't going to need to do anymore. They didn't need to raise any. They wanted a child, but God didn't give them a child. They still remained faithful to him. And God says, no, I haven't given you a child yet because the child I'm going to give you is going to be more than you can than you understand right now. They were going to have the forerunner of Jesus Christ, a child who was filled with the Holy Spirit from, from day one. And they were going to raise that young man who was going to go out and preach the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. And he was going to turn the nation of Israel on its ear. The Bible says in the spirit of Elias. That takes faith to believe that. I love my kids. I know God can do great things with my kids. Sometimes I wonder what God could do with them, though. Sometimes I wonder what God can do with me. Sometimes I wonder what God can do with you. But listen, it isn't about you. It isn't about me. It isn't about my kids. It's about what God can do. Do you believe? Do you have faith? Maybe you're here today struggling, living a righteous life before the Lord. Finding, uh, finding other reasons, uh, reasons to do other things, reasons to not do other things versus serve God. Listen, Satan will throw anything in your way. He'll give you all kinds of reasons and to, to not be involved in things in the church, to not tell others about Jesus Christ, to, to not serve and to love. Listen, Satan will give you whatever excuse you're looking for. He will fill you with excuses. The question is, 
Are you going to allow the, the things of this world to draw you away from the things of God? I'm not telling you that, that you have to be at every single service to be a, a good Christian. I'm not telling you that you have to be involved in every single ministry. If you are involved in every single ministry, you'll burn yourself out and be no good to anybody. What I am saying is God has a desire for each and every one of us to have, a, to have him as our purpose and to have serving him as our purpose. Is that your purpose or are you drawn away by the things of the world? Or are you drawn away by struggles in your own life? Sometimes we allow the struggles that we're going through to keep us from serving God. I'm thankful for, for, for Zacharias who didn't. Are you? Are you going to serve God despite the trials, despite the difficulties? Are you going to stand for God when it gets hard in your life because of the trials you're going through or when it gets hard because people are oppressing you or because people are making fun of you or, or, or because it might cost you some entertainment or some other things that you, that you enjoy? Or are you going to serve God because you love him, because of what he's done for him? Maybe you're going through a time of chastisement right now. Let me just encourage you, God's still working. No matter what difficulty you're going through, God has not just stopped. God is still good. Maybe you're here today and you're not saved. And if that's you, I would encourage you. God loves you. We aren't saved because we're a part of Fellowship Baptist Church. I love our church. I love the people here. But you're not saved because you're a part of us. You can't be a part of us unless you're saved. Because what joins us isn't our location where we live. We got people living from China to who knows where, all over the place. We got people with northern accents and southern accents. We got people from all walks of life. Praise God, because in Christ we're one. We're not saved by being here. We're not saved by being good and living a good life. Listen, we all can do good and seem good to other people. But in the eyes of God, the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Say, well, that, I'm not that bad. The Bible says it only takes one. It's, it's, about, our, it's about the fact that we're not holy and pure, and God is. And when we, when we compare ourselves to the holiness of God, we find ourselves short. If that's you here this morning, say, well, uh, but I, I'll, I'll do better. You can't do better. There is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says that our righteousness is like filthy rags. You cannot do good enough to, to get to heaven. What you can do is believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, I, I told you this, the story of Christmas wasn't about his birth. We talk about his birth all the time, but really it was about he, he was born so that he could die for your sins. His whole purpose for coming to this earth was so he could die on that cross so that he could pay for your sins. See, our, our sins, uh, there, 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 is a, a, there is a judgment for our sins. And, and God is just a just judge, and all sin must be judged. But, but God, in his loving mercy and grace, gave us his son so that his son could be judged for his, our sins. When he died on that cross, he didn't die because he deserved it. He was an innocent man. He died because you deserved it, and he didn't want you to die and go to hell. There's a song, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. He died for the sins of the whole world, and that includes you. 
And if you've never by faith trusted in Jesus Christ, listen, he died, the Bible says he rose again. He, he died conquering sin. He rose conquering the grave. Uh, he is God. If he had died and was still in the grave, he wouldn't be anybody. If he, had, if he was sinful and worthy of, uh, of punishment, uh, he, he, it wouldn't have done any good to die. But he, God in the flesh, died for us. And if the Bible says that if, if you believe that he died and rose again, that you can be saved. That is the gospel message. And if you never trusted in faith alone, if you never trusted in faith alone, asked God to save you, called out unto him, then you're not saved. Now, I'm not saying you have to say a special prayer. I'm not saying you need to pray after me or anybody else. You can do it on your own when you're off by yourself. But I am telling you this, if you don't do it, the Bible says this, it's appointed a man who wants to die and after that the judgment. We will all stand before God one day after we die. And the truth is, we all die. Some of us may live another 30, 40 years. Others may not live past today. We don't know. If God's speaking to your heart and has opened your eyes to this truth, and you understand that you need this, today is the day of salvation. John 6.44 says this, that no man can come unto the Father unless the Father draw him. If God is drawing you, do not put it off. Do not put it off. Don't put off to tomorrow what you should do today. Salvation is not just a free ticket from heaven or to heaven. Salvation is what God can do in your life here. What God can use you to do here to prepare us for the time in heaven. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for Zacharias and the example that we, we find in him, Lord, and in his ultimate his rejoicing in, in what you did in his life and through his son in preparing Jesus, preparing the way for Christ. God, I pray that you would just work in us uh, this, this afternoon or this morning. I pray, God, that you would, uh, if you're speaking to hearts, Lord, that our hearts would be tender and yielded to what you have for us. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.